Hello, everyone. Welcome to this special holiday episode of The Good Dirt, during which Emma and I are offering something a little different from our usual topical conversations. We thought an authentic and meaningful way of sharing some seasonal joy would be through a little bit of story and song from us to you, straight from our hearts. So here's a memory from my childhood in Southern Appalachia, followed by this sweet song performed by Emma herself and accompanied by her husband Cam on the guitar. And if you like the music, make sure to tune in next week to our December bonus episode where there will be more. We hope you enjoy this taste of the season from the fun and joy to the bittersweet, the embracing and the letting go and welcoming the promise of the growing light. This is the story of a Christmas miracle. As Christmas miracles go, this one doesn't really rate up there with near escapes, unlikely healings, or sightings of celestial beings, but it's part of our family lore. It was a Christmas many years ago, in another time, a time that, as different as it was from now, it was still my lifetime. I'm not sure whether that's more of an indication of my age or how much things have changed or both, but here's the story. We'd had our usual Christmas morning, the culmination of weeks and weeks of excitement. Santa Claus delivered, as always, in a big way. I got the Little Kittle Village, among other things, but that was the year's favorite. It came as a vinyl pastel-colored carrying case that opened up to reveal a little town where the little thumb-sized dolls lived and played. It was about the size of an overnight bag. It had that wonderful plastic new toy smell that was almost as much a part of Christmas as the scent of evergreen and candles and turkey and pie and cinnamon and citrus and all those other wonderful things. I was completely delighted. We had had our midday Christmas dinner as well, the turkey dressing and cranberry holiday feast that was a lot like Thanksgiving. In the afternoon, we all went our separate ways. Dad had settled into his chair with a book, my older brother off to listen to some new record, my little brother down the street with his new football, and my mother being, for the most part, the single-handed creator of the entire holiday spectacle from start to finish, went to bed. I chose the solitude of my room to peruse some of my other loot, a collection of Noel Streetfield books, the game of Clue, a deck of cards with kittens on it, a box of stationery from my friend Susan, a ceramic horse from Allison, and a lifesaver book from Nancy. As always on Christmas afternoon, the glow of the morning had dissipated, and I had somewhat of a let-down feeling largely due to exhaustion and excessive sugar consumption, no doubt. But thank goodness we still had something to look forward to later in the day. At five o'clock, several of the neighbors were coming over for supper. Mom would rouse herself from a near catatonic state around four in the afternoon to get things straight and ready for another round of feeding and celebration. Having been through a few Christmases myself by now, I don't know how she did it. The snow started falling around twilight, which was about the time people began arriving at the house, probably 10 to 12 adults and half again as many kids or more. Dad had a roaring fire going in two rooms. 
The adults sat around in the chairs, enjoying their cocktails, while the kids sprawled out on the living room floor to begin some serious board games. For the boys, it was risk. The girls preferred Clue or Parcheesi. For the younger set, there was Operation and Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Mom put the food out on the dining room table, a huge crock of New England-style clam chowder, the white kind with potatoes and lots of butter, sliced turkey and roast beef, meatballs, bread, all manner of condiments, cheeses, pickles, relishes, nuts and chips, dips and sodas, and the final act on all the pies, cakes, cookies, fudge, divinity, chocolate-covered cherries, pretzels, rum balls, cheese balls, candy pecans, all of that that had appeared over the last few weeks. I think it was mom's way of getting rid of it all, finally. The whole thing was a casual affair. People served themselves on paper plates and took the food wherever. Everyone was having a great time and not noticing that the snow had been falling steadily and heavily since their arrival. Then the lights went out. My parents did what I guess everybody does in such a situation. They went and got out candles. It's just that with that many kids in the house and it being dark and kind of chaotic with everybody groping around and all, no one got a chance to say they were only for the adults. And there was none of the usual cautioning or fire safety review. And so within a few minutes of this happening, There were numerous excited, Christmas-crazed, sugar-pumped kids running around our house wielding open flames. Don't drip wax on the carpet, was my mother's plea. Not that anyone heard her. Never mind the flammable drapes in every room, or the fact that before the lights went out, the floor had been strewn with the game players' plates piled with mustard-laden sandwiches, chips, and red velvet cake, along with paper cups filled with cola, grape, and orange soda. She was focused on the candle wax. The entirety of the situation was, I suppose, too much to take in. I don't know for how long this chaos reigned. All I recall is that at some point, it was decided that I was going to go spend the night with Allison. I imagine that all of us were farmed out to one neighbor or another so that once my parents determined that the house wasn't going to burn down, they could collapse straight away. And since I couldn't bear to leave my dearly beloved little kittle village, when it was time to go, I packed it up in its nifty carrying case along with my pajamas and toothbrush, and we headed out into the snowy night along with all the others. Everyone lived close, so no one tried to drive home. They could come back and get their cars later. The snow was deep and heavy and still coming down. There were no street lights, but the light was glowing with the magical, sweet light of a snowy winter's night. The power was out at Allison's house, too, so we went straight to bed, cuddled up under a mountain of covers, the visions of sugar plums now replaced by a pure, exhausted bliss. As far as we were concerned, the evening's events had been the icing on the holiday cake, the makings of the greatest Christmas ever. As for my mother, she swears there was nothing on the carpet the next morning, not a smidge of mustard, a single smashed chocolate, crunch chip, or drop of candle wax. She calls it a miracle.
Christmas night, 1967. Happy holidays, everyone. Whatever your celebration brings, I wish you joy and love and fun. We'll be back in the new year.